the seventeenth day for the holy souls in purgatory, a day of prayer for souls suffering for sins of anger and impatience. Learn of me to be meek, says our blessed Lord. But few frequent his school, few relish his doctrine. Many, otherwise well disposed, injure their own souls and cause unhappiness to others by their little attention to or practice of this divine lesson. And dying without having done penance, are consigned to the flames of purgatory. Offer today for their relief some acts of mortification. At the time when our blessed Lord walked upon the earth, there was in Jerusalem a certain pool where the sick and those afflicted with bodily diseases were wont to congregate. At certain times, an angel of the Lord came down and stirred the waters. And the sick man who went first into the pool after the visit of the angel was healed of his infirmity. When Jesus came there, he found a man so infirm that he could not, in the least degree, assist himself. And he had been waiting day after day for eight and thirty years, while others who were stronger than he, or who had friends to help them, went down before him and were healed. Our Lord asked him why he had not availed himself of the blessing which God at times had given to the waters, and he answered in words that are full of deepest and most mournful pathos, Lord, I have no man who, when the water has been stirred, will cast me into the pool. In those few words, what a story is compressed of the tedious passing of weary years. He had come there a youth with hope in his heart, that he would soon be cured of his infirmity. And many a long year seemed to spread before him in which he might enjoy his recovered health. But the years passed by, and those who were boys along with him grew to be men. And many a change had passed upon the faces that he knew. Many a sunrise did he see in hope, and many an evening closed in the disappointment of the hope, deferred that maketh the heart sick. And his hopes were dying out, and his hair was go growing gray, when, after nearly forty years, Jesus came and cured him. What a sorrowful story! Eight and thirty years of waiting, and the certain remedy before his eyes, and none to help him to avail himself of its efficacy. Friends he may have had, one friend he surely had, when his mother held him in her arms. But his mother was dead, and time and the chance and change of life had dispersed his early friends, or, after the manner of the world, in the day of his distress, they had forsaken him. In that weary march of lonely years, what want of human feeling that man had witnessed! What cool contempt! What silent carelessness! And we are tempted to exclaim against a city whose annals are disgraced by a story such as this. But pause before one bitter thought forms itself in your mind, before one word of condemnation rushes to your indignant lips. Stay a little. There is a certain place in the Church of God, a place which you have not yet seen with the eye of flesh, but which faith teaches you exists as really as the places you have walked, walked in and that you know with the familiar knowledge of everyday experience. It is a land over which hangs a cloud of silent sorrow, of uncomplaining agony, that is voiceless in the intensity of its resignation. 
and in that silent land of pain lies many a friend of yours whom your heart cannot forget, friends whom you knew once, whose faces, whose smiles, whose voices were familiar to you in days gone by, who were members, it may be, of the same household, who knelt with you in this, at the same altar, who worked and prayed and smiled, and were bound to you by every tie which the kindly charities of nature and of grace can forge. They died, and they are in purgatory. Stricken are they by no more earthly malady, but by an agony for which earth has no image nor any name. Consumed are they by no mere earthly fever, sorry, by no mere earthly malady, but by an agony for which earth has no image nor any name. Consumed are they by no mere earthly fever, but by the fever of a fire that searches their very soul. And you pass by, you their friend, and you have at your disposal the healing flood of the precious blood of Jesus. You pass by, heedless or forgetful or indifferent. It matters little which. You pass by and give no help. You leave the sufferers there, looking up with pain-stricken, wistful eyes to the heaven above and saying, O God, we have no friend, who when the healing blood of thy divine Son is ready in the Holy Mass to extinguish the flames of our torment, will use it for our relief. Condemn, if you will, in what sharp terms indignation may suggest, the heartlessness of the citizens of Jerusalem. But do not omit to compare it with your own when, either through carelessness or forgetfulness, you neglect to do your part, the part of friendship, the part of charity, to assist the suffering souls in purgatory. How real death and that which will come after death ought to be to us, since we have not been, we have not only been told of death, but have seen death's hand on those who stood by our side. Good and true as these were, we do not imagine that they were undefiled enough to enter at once into the presence of the living God. We cover their graves with garlands. We never speak of them without a sigh. We say life is not the same to us. But when November comes, we do not give them special thought or prayer. And yet, we know as certainly as we know anything that it is our prayers they crave. Pray for my soul. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Wherefore, let thy voice rise like a fountain for me night and day. For what are men better than sheep or goats that nourish a blind life within the brain, if, knowing God, they lift not hands of prayer, both for themselves and those who call them friend. For so the whole round earth is every way bound by gold chains about the feet of God. Last year we grudged nothing to the friend that has since left us, and if any sacrifice could bring him back, we say fervently that we would make it. Last year we would have traveled miles to be near him were he ill. We should have spurned the thought that any mere inconvenience could keep us from him where our presence needed. Had he not grappled us to him with a thousand hooks of steel during a thousand days, a father, a brother, a friend, it matters not which, it may be that we have lost all. How, now that the time has come for showing our gratitude, do we keep our promise? 
who dares to say that to give this dear soul solace, to repay it for the love it had for us, to keep the pledges we made to it, we would not cross the sea a hundred times. And yet, when it comes to the mere matter of crossing a few streets, of rising a little earlier in the morning, of having some masses said, we hesitate, we procrastinate, we forget. There are the mocking immortelles of last year, scarcely changed in color, hung on the railings round his grave. There is the memorial on the carved letters of which no moss has had time to grow. There are all the remembrances of the dead mutely speaking to us at every turn. They cry out to us of the great fact, but we do not hear. We have ears and hear not. In that future, which shall come as surely as next November, shall we in our purgation be heard. The following, and last but not least, the following is an extract from the life of St. Margaret Mary. Mother Philibert Emmanuel de Montoni, superioress of the convent at Annecy, whose memory is held in veneration and whose holy life is a subject of edification for the entire institute, died February the 5th, 1683, in the time of Mother Griefier's superiority, and was by her particularly recommended to the prayers of St. Margaret Mary. After some time, she told her superior that our Lord had shown her that this soul was very dear to him because of her love and fidelity in his service, and that he had prepared an ample reward for her in heaven after her purification and purgatory was ended. Finally, he showed her this soul receiving great relief in her sufferings by the application of the suffrages and good works which were offered for her throughout the whole order of the visitation. St. Margaret, praying again for this Holy Superior on the night of Holy Thursday, our Lord caused her to see her being placed, as it were, under the chalice which contained the sacred host, there receiving a share in the merits of his agony in the Garden of Olives. On Easter Day, which that year fell on the 18th of April, she saw her approaching beatitude, desiring and hoping soon to enjoy the sight and the possession of God. At length, on Sunday the 2nd of May, the Feast of the Good Shepherd, she saw her in eternal glory, chanting melodiously the canticle of divine love. Thus, we see that this holy and fervent superioress, animated with the purest spirit of her institute, having died on the 5th of February with the reputation of holiness, only entered into the enjoyment of glory on the 1st of May, as was revealed to St. Margaret Mary. God, in order to purify her, deferring her happiness for 86 days. So long a purgatory for so fervent a soul is a lesson for those who always think they do too much for the service of God and to applaud themselves for the lightest practices of penance. What time and what suffering will not be necessary to expiate their faults in purgatory? And before I let you go, a deep word of gratitude, if you're still with me right now, Thank you for what you offer the souls in purgatory by this meditation and all these meditations during this month. I know it's extra time, and time is often in precious supply for so many of you. But thank you very much for the gift you're giving to them. May God reward you. I look forward to praying the rosary with you tomorrow.